What is up? Welcome to Breaking Tree Speech. It's been a while since we've done a podcast for the skate park, and we're going to talk about that, as well as some other things. So, why don't you just sit down and relax the soothing sounds of my voice. So, we're going to talk a little bit about the skate park. That's what we do here. I don't have my computer today. I made a little outline on paper and pencil, doing it old school. Um, Today, um, we're just going to talk about where the podcast has been, where the podcast is going, and then we're going to talk about some COVID stuff, big COVID update, kind of give you a little little story of what's going on at the skate park. So first of all, preface, I have the greatest job in the world, and I wouldn't give it up for anything in the world. If I was a billionaire tomorrow, I would still do this. Of course, in that case, I could afford to hire some people, uh, and and that would help a lot, but I'd still be there. My name's attached to it. I'm giving it 110%. I swear. If I was stupid rich, billions of dollars, I'm still going to be sitting there at the skate park every day. We're open. Maybe sometimes I'd try to skip out to do this or do that. Like One of the big things that kind of stinks about running a skate park is... I'm there all day, every Saturday, forever, and Saturdays are the day thing are the days that cool things happen. So I just don't get to do any cool things like if I want to do a mountain bike race or a disc golf tournament or you know visit my friends or or friends want to come visit me. You know they're off on the weekends. I work all the weekends. So like, I mean, that could change if I had a billion dollars, but I don't have a billion dollars, so that's not going to change. So I'll be there. So, with that preface out, I am only one person, okay? The park is open. The open open operating hours of the skate park are 48 hours. I'm there every minute of that. And then with ladies' night and other holidays, I am lucky to get three days off a month. And again, greatest job in the world. Not super hard, but just giving you some perspective. You combine that many open hours with, you know, obviously I get there a little 15 minutes early. I stay 15 minutes late. We have Monday stuff, which is like um, adding up um, all the deposits from the course of the week, taking that deposit to the bank. Then we have ramp work. I teach lessons. I do the filming. I do the editing. I do podcasts sometimes. Um, and then with the constant stream of dms it's a lot i mean it's a lot a lot it just never ends i wake up with facebook messages and instagram messages and you know it is a lot so i have switched a little bit and we've been doing some vlogs if you've been paying attention to the youtube channel maybe we'll try to put a thing here with the vlog if i remember to do that when i edit it i probably won't so basically, I use digital media to disseminate information because there's things I want you know the viewers to know, my customers to know. And I know not everyone that comes in watches the podcast, and some of you do. You know, you get like 150 views, and you know maybe those people share that information with their friends. Good. Very important to massage the the environment and the culture of the skate park to let people know that like I'm trying really hard that you know it's not easy that you know sometimes things happen at the skate park and I need people to know you know where I stand on those issues so 
they like they know like I you know like if you listen to the podcast you know I'm all about transparency. So I have switched my dissemin- dissemination of information to more of the vlog format uh, versus the podcast. And partially is that because the past two years we've had, uh, I've had Josh. Um, Josh worked for us. He did some counter time. He did some video work. He did mostly traditional action sports video content, just clips, music, and riding. That's what he was good at. That's what he did. He didn't really want to do anything outside of that. So I was like, all right, I'll do the podcast. I'll disseminate the information. He could do the entertainment stuff versus the vlog where you combine both the entertainment and the information. So since then, I mean, we're since, since he left, I've been doing the video content. So I've been doing all the filming, all the editing, trying to get my info in there. And so I'm not going to come in here in the studio and do the podcast because I'm already editing and doing all the stuff. Because obviously if I spend, you know, two hours to do a podcast, that's two more hours on top of the, you know, 65 hours I've already worked. And I often do podcasts for some Wrench Life, my personal podcast. I do those occasionally too. So it's just, just stacking a lot of stuff. Okay. But on that note, with the new YouTube content, we've been doing the Friday Fives, if you've watched that. They've been cool. Short videos, five clips, trying to get a couple angles at each clip, trying to make them kind of nice, kind of artsy, you know. Explore explore my artistic expression. The viewers comment what their favorite clip of the five clips were, and then, and then later on I'm going to make a mixtape of all the best clips. If you want a Friday Five, you want one. Comment. Say, hey Dave, I want a Friday Five. As long as you can do five clips, we can do it. There have to be tricks, though. If like I'm not adverse to doing a Friday Five with you know intermediate and beginner riders, but like just jumping something is just not quite enough. I don't think. Although we could try it, see how, see what the customer response is. Most most of our Friday Fives have been pretty good riders. That's entertaining. But my goal was to make a type of content that was attainable and relatable. It's not, here's five clips that are all fire. It's which is the best, which is the most fire. So it's only, you're ranking clip one against clip two, three, and four within that one edit, and you're not comparing it to the other Friday Fives. So in that theory, it could be a complete beginner just doing five basic clips. And I think that's cool. I think that's really cool. I'd love to do a Friday Five with like, you know, like a nine-year-old kid who's just learning. I think that would be really cool. Because that's not, that's content you don't really see. And as much as watching like Bard go hard, you know, people, a lot of our uh, viewers want to see more relatable content, I would, I would think. Um, yeah, moving along. Oh, one more thing about filming. Uh, if you are a filmer, reach out to me. Um, I'm always looking for more YouTube content. If we could work out some agreement where you could do some film work for me. I mean, it's got to be pretty decent. Uh, and uh, I could compensate you in some way or another. Get some stuff on our YouTube channel. I'm not adverse to that. Um, so as far as breaking free speech is going forward, um, I would like to uh, continue to do the really in-depth conversations about sports. But again, I'm only one person. Uh, 
in the past, I really used this podcast as almost as like a, like a, almost like a news show kind of for the skate park. This is what happened. This is what happened. But I really do want to get down into the nitty gritty. I'd love to get some, you know, a biker or a skater on who's, you know, really analytical and like, let's, let's talk about bike pegs. Let's talk about like width, diameter, material, how long they last, what they sound like, like what pegs do you think? Like, obviously some of that content will be very narrow to specific domains, you know, less people will want to engage with it. But I think that's a really cool place to go. Um, and I think that's about it. All I really had here for the uh, podcast talk. <laughs> yeah, I just wrote, I just want to have in-depth conversation with riders and figureheads in the action, in action sports. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. I mean, if you want to be on the podcast, comment below or reach out. Let me know. We can try to make it work. One weird thing about this podcast, though, is I do do this in my, uh, the studio is in my, in my house where I live, so that gets kind of weird, but I have brought this, the podcast skate park, the podcast set up to the skate park in the past to do that, because sometimes it's like, it's weird to just invite people into my house, right? Whatever. Moving along. Obviously, this has been a tumultuous year. COVID, I mean, I could probably do four different podcasts just about stuff pertaining to COVID and the skate park because it's been different for sure. But I wanted to focus on a specific element and how, you know, we've managed this. So I, I wrote a little bit out last night to try to try to get my thoughts apart a little bit clearer. Sometimes I just like shoot from the hip. It gets a little confusing, but whatever. So I wrote... In 2016, I put everything I owned on the line because I knew I could make it work. Because I knew you would be here for me. I knew the support would be here to pull it off. I believed I could take what I had seen work, what I had seen not work at other skate parks, and then I could do it right. Now, everyone thinks they could do it right. But I really try to put my biases aside and look at the data. When I came to Rochester years ago to work with the other skate park, I had a bunch of assumptions about what we could do to help. And it turns out basically all of them, well, not all of them, but many of them were wrong because I just didn't know. And I find time and time again when people I talk to talk about skate parks and action sports in generally, I constantly in my head I'm going this person has no idea what they're talking about and they think they know unless you this goes this goes for anything unless you are like on the ground every day in that particular domain you probably don't know so take yourself down a notch <laughs> um okay so yeah I saw what worked and didn't work and I thought I could do it right this also meant that I was taking a lot of flack from people. This meant I'm often smiling and nodding at all of the suggestions that I knew wouldn't work. People constantly saying stuff, oh, you should do this, you should do that. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm not going to tell you that I'm never going to do this, but I'm never going to do that. There's one piece to, to, to BFS that it would have never happened without. This was a really great friend, uh, 
Jeff. This is uh, actually Jaden's father. He owns a consulting company. Jeff somehow made me into a business owner. I, I, I'm not sure sure how. Uh, and I, I would be, I'd be no one and nothing without his guidance. And I am so forever grateful for what he showed me in planning and organization. He, he helped keep me on a trajectory and planned and organized and, and the whole process of what BFS was going to be and how we were going to do it and benchmarking data. Since then, I outline and plan everything. I love making spreadsheets of data. I like to optimize things. If you know any, any of you know me closely, I love a good spreadsheet. I like doing my research, laying it out so I can compare and contrast and then go from there. And you know, if you come to the skate park, you fill in the sign-in sheet. The sign-in sheet gives me a lot of data. I could use that data to try to make sure what I do is aimed at the customers that are at the park. I look at every detail when I go into other businesses, and not just skate parks or skate shops, like everything, restaurants, whatever. Look, look at me. What do they do here? What's their branding look like? What are they? How many employees they have? Like, I'm trying to see, like, because there'll be little things I can pick from here, little things I can pick from there that can help optimize the skate park. There's just so much to learn, and with a $100,000 lease, like, I have to be smart. I have been, you know, I'm generally pretty frugal or if you don't know that word i'm cheap i've tried to not bite off more than i can chew i've tried to have really slow and steady growth at breaking free i have not tried to bite off more than i can chew i've tried to just every year expand okay a little more inventory okay a little maybe we'll get shirts this year maybe we'll do shop decks this year just a little bit at a time like i want to make sure i have full control over what we're doing before i'm adding more stuff on the plate Also, I am not afraid to go against the grain and try new things that might help the skate park. And that's one of the things that Jeff told me. Try everything. You don't know what might end up being a revenue stream that works out for you. Uh, like, we make no money on birthday. We don't do birthday parties. But I do tons of lessons now. We've raised the price on lessons twice. I have, I'm booked like two weeks out right now on skate lessons. It's pretty crazy. Uh, I probably could even charge more on that. But like I said, you got to be open to, to trying new things. So, so, so basically I have made, I mean, I've made, made something out of nothing in my personal life and I've made BFS rise from the ashes of what was rasp. And, and with all the time and energy I've put into this, I will not go down quietly. I have a little sip of water here. So let's talk about this past year and the COVID. Just like how I started the park. There's a reason I explained all that. I'm not afraid against to go green. Um, I'm going to do what I think is the best option. I'm going to try to make the trade-offs. I'm trying, you know, I'm, let's, let's do it. Like that's, that's like, I'm not going to sit back and take it. Obviously, COVID came around. It was scary. We had this was unprecedented. Um, it was super scary. You know, we closed in March, and then I was sitting there like, "Oh, 
This can't be how it ends. A $9,000 a month rent. <laughs> like, I can't be closed for six months. Like, that's, a, that's it. It's a death sentence. Flat out, period. And if the skate park closes, it's, it's not as simple as close up the doors and leave. It's, there's a mess here. And the b- property company is going to come in and they're going to have to dispose of the ramps uh, and they're going to charge me that. So it's not even just closing. It's closing plus whatever I owe, a personal guarantee for two more years on the lease and the cost of removing all of those ramps. So if I fail, it's not just failure. It's failure plus probably $50,000 of debt maybe. So you can understand uh, a lot of incentive to not go quietly, which I won't. So we ended the year pretty strong last year. I think I've talked about this before. We had a little extra money in the bank account. It was supposed to be like basically the rest of my pay. I don't pay myself a lot at the end of the year. If there's a little bit left over, I can get that. Maybe a lot of time in the past, I've reinvested it. This past year, I was like, I think I was like, you know, after getting, you know, four, well, three years in at that time, I was like, we've done pretty good. Maybe I could deserve a little bit of a bonus. But with the murmurs of COVID and everything, I was like, yeah, hold off so when COVID hit um, we had some extra money in the count there we had already been saving up you know by March I should be pretty well saved up for summer months so we had a little safety net we closed all right now what basically the situation for reopening was I'll just be frank like I'm, I tell you guys everything anyway when I, when I had less than 10 grand in the bank account, that's when I reopened. That was the rule in my, in my head. Like, so my rent is nine. And there's all the other bills. So we're doing private rentals. It's a trickle of cash. We're not making really much doing it. But I was like, in my head, I go, when that bank account gets below five digits, we're in the point, we're in the danger zone. We are no longer going to cover our expenses for one month of not being open. So mid-June... Here it comes. Coming toward that number. One more rent payment at the end of the month and the bank account's gone. And then I'm just falling into the red. So, I did what I've always done. I've done it my way. I have said, you know, screw this. I'm opening. I'm not willing to lay down and die. Frankly, I'm just not going to do it. So I reopened. And to my surprise, we did pretty well. And as people learned we were open, we continued to do pretty well. And in August, we were doing, we did damn near double what we would normally do in a summer month. It was unbelievable. Did the same thing in September. The increased ridership in the uh, you know lockdown really helped us. I think being... The only place that was open helped us. The whole situation was like, I mean, there's a lot of people that want you to make it sound like it was really, really black and white. And this is something I'm going to try to be careful with talking about because everything has become so political. Everything is like black and white. It's all super partisan. If you if you are on this side, then you must be this and, and that and that. And I don't. It's a little bit crazy. I did a piece on my other podcast, Wrench Life, where I talked about this little, little culture war we're in. Um, so really, when I'm saying all of this, I don't want 
any of you listeners to to try to paint me as any particular um, political ideology or abstraction you might think I am because of anything I'm saying. This is coming purely from a standpoint of what I explained earlier about you know DIY or die, and I'm not going to go quietly. And I'm like, let's keep the skate park alive. So moving forward. We killed it. We did amazing in the fall. It was unbelievable. I opened up May, June like 15th. If I had listened to New York State, I would have not been allowed to be open until August. Now, if by the end of June, I would have been zero in the bank account for not getting cash flow that month. So I would have been in 10 grand debt. I've been zero for June, right? I'd be in 10 grand, gen, 10 grand debt for July. I would have been in 20 grand debt for August. So if I listened to New York State, by the time I would have opened, I would have been at a minimum in $20,000 of debt, at a minimum $20,000 debt, not counting everything else. We've done so well since reopening. It's, it's actually possible that we could have actually waited it out and then still been okay because we've done so well for the end of the year. But there's no way of knowing it. It was an unprecedented situation. And all I knew was I'm not going to just lay down and die. Like, I don't care what the state says or the government tells me. It's like, if you, the customer, are willing to come in and ride, I want to be there so you can ride so I can get your $12 and I can apply that to rent. Like, the, for all, like, Things can only be shut down for so long before everything is going to be gone, right? So let's move into the fall. We move into the winter time. Killing it, killing it. We did like record numbers. It's unbelievable. We almost did 200 people on one day, which is just crazy. We actually finished this year 5% up from last year with having been closed for three months. That is crazy. Now, even going through all that, you have to take into account that one, I didn't pay myself for like two months. And then when I did, I barely paid myself. We did get $10,200 from the PPP program. We um, got another, recently got another $10,000 grant to help and we had to absorb $20,000 of last year's profits and summer savings. So even doing that well, that means we had to absorb, what did I say, like $60,000, which is crazy. Like, so it's like a catch-22. There's no way we would have been this busy had there not been the COVID lockdown. So you can't say we would have crushed it this year had there not been the lockdown because there's no way to know that. And be skeptical of anyone that tries to tell you anything that, oh, well, it would have been this way. You know, all, that's like a political thing. Like, oh, well, you know, X politician would have handled COVID better. And it's like, well, you've no way of knowing. Now you could speculate, but people say flat out, oh, this was bad and it could, it should have been this way. It's like, you have no way of knowing, period. So be a little skeptical because you don't know. So anyway, we finished the year strong. We are in a great position right now. 
I can tell you, tell you confidently, BFS is not going anywhere. I said that in the lockdown in our podcast. I, I was probably way more um, concerned than I let on in those podcasts because, like, I had no idea. But I, was, I wanted you to have faith in me because that would help me have faith in me. But you know, we're in a good shot, good position now. Um, I mean, the vaccine's rolling out, although the vaccine seems to be not like we still have to go for herd immunity it looks like because the vaccine just prevents you from getting seriously ill and dying there it's not actually conclusive whether it stops it from spreading or how long it lasts but this should at least simmer that situation down so we can start to simmer the economy back up which would be good for everyone uh, i know i'd like to go to a concert again but you know whenever that happens that happens I'm not an immunologist or whatever uh so we're not going anywhere. We're in a really good situation now. Um, I hope things stay strong. I hope continue all the people continue to ride during the lockdown, continue to ride. And you know, we'll see what happens in this coming year. This will be the first year uh, BFS is going to coexist with the Rock City Skate Park. So that'll be a, a whole thing there. But I just want to, before the last section, I just want to say how, how incredibly thankful I am for you guys. For everyone coming in, everyone supporting the skate park, getting us through this, because it could have very, very, very easily went another way. There's a lot of other parks that didn't make it. There's a lot of other skate parks that are struggling, really struggling right now, and I feel your pain. I think one of the reasons that we made it through this strong is because of the, you know, because of the resilience in this and in, in, in the business model we have, because of the like, well, let's leave that money in the account because we don't know what's going to happen. Oh, let's, you know, I'm not going to listen to the state entirely because, like, I got to keep the business open, you know. There's got to be a little bit of gray area. And um, if you just bowed down and did everything the state told you and just lived in fear all the time, you know, there might not be a skate park here if I did that. You don't know. But whatever. So lastly... This is a really a contentious topic, and I almost don't even want to talk about it. I'd almost rather it just be hush-hush, like it has been. But if you come to the park, it's not easy to notice. No, it's very easy to notice that we are not really very strict on the mask policy. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not super comfortable with that. But I'm also not very comfortable with being the arbiter of masks. I don't work for the state. It's like this weird situation where they're like, executive order, you know, you have to wear masks. If you don't wear masks, they'll shut down your business. So here, Dave, you, yeah, business owner, on top of all the hoop you've already jumped through, on top of the shutdown and everything else, if you're going to open, you have to enforce this rule that we've decided. And it's like, okay, I get it. Totally get it. Like, I personally wear my mask most of the time at the skate park. When, there, when there's anyone around, my mask is on. Unless it's one of my immediate friends, my mask is on. If I go anywhere, I wear my mask. Like, whatever. But that's me. And that's my body. I wear my mask when people get close to me. Right? My body. You have your body. When people come to the skate park and the mom asks me, what's the mask policy? I say, well, I revert back to mom. You do what your mom says. If your mom wants you to wear it all the time, keep it on. Like, 
I'm not your mom. I don't have your body. I don't know your risk factors. Like, I keep, I say we have this common sense rule. And I tell people like, yo, if there's people around, put it on. If there's no one around you, don't. If you're, if you're uncomfortable with it and someone else say, hey, can you put it on? And I'm telling everyone to respect everyone. Like, this idea of it's consensual, it's mutual respect. Like, and if someone uh, isn't, you can feel free to come to the counter and say, Dave, there's someone who wasn't and I asked them to and they wouldn't and I will go tell them to. But the situation we're in now is like this, they're trying to, like the state is telling you what you have to do and then they're making me be the police officer for the thing and it's like, I don't want to tell you what to do. Like, I'm not in the business of telling you what to do with your body. I mean, you either wear your helmet, for sure. <laughs> like, absolutely wear your helmet. And you could really make a strong argument between masks being like the helmet. Really, like, totally, I could make that argument against me. But what the data has shown is people aren't, at least the people that are coming to the skate park aren't as concerned. I think part of it is risk aversion, risk assessment. I think if you ride, you skate, you scooter, you bike, you understand risk management. So you understand, okay, I'm safer with the mask than without the mask. I'm safer distancing. I'm safer distancing and wearing the mask. And you understand all as you stack all these things, you become more and more safe. But you also understand there's an element of risk. And if you want to do really cool tricks... You have to you have to you have to have a higher element of risk, um, and in this COVID world, if you want to have a life that is a, a more closely resembles a normal life, you have to assume more risk, and then that's not to say that you should get uh, you should increase other people's risk. You should mask and do all the other stuff, but I'm just going down the wormhole here. When we reopened. We were on top of the rule. As more time went on and more data went on and the cases kind of came down, I started to get a little more lax with it. Then we went back to code orange and it was like, man, like, do I want to really go around and yell at everyone constantly? It's like, you know, the skate park's mostly teenagers. You know, they're not going to listen. It's going to be stressful. And like, I know I'm comparing my stress to people dying, but... What, what what the data has shown is that my customers, I feel like they respect that I give them the freedom to choose, that I'm not going to, 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 to cramp down on them what I think they need to do or what I, I'm not going to just obey what I've told to do. It's like, it's your body. It's your choice. Or if you're under 18, you, you know, your parents should dictate what you should do. Not me. I'm not your mom. And I, I will even admit there's times that there's so many people at the skate park, I, I think it's beyond what's really kind of acceptable. But everyone that's there has consented to being there. You, Everyone that goes in there walks in, they look around, they see the situation, and it, it, they decide, or their parent decides, whether they think it's acceptable to leave their kid or to ride themselves. If you're a consenting adult or a parent consenting for your child and you look around and you see the situation and you go, yeah, I'm fine with that. Okay. 
I'll take your $12. You can ride. Awesome. Who am I to get in the way of your ability to ride? What I'm here to do is to give you a place to ride, to offer you a controlled environment where you can express yourself. Now, two things before we end. I will tell you the story about the, we got a complaint with the state, which is funny. And we, and as far as any cases traced back to the skate park, zero. Zero contact tracing back to the skate park. None, not a single one, not a single phone call, nothing. The data suggests the kids are at a lower risk. Skate park patrons are mostly kids. Most parents wear the mess. A lot of the kids don't. We've had no issues. The data actually supports that. The data actually supports it's really only the old people that are at risk, and there aren't a lot of people over 65 at the skate park. Now, the complaint. Let me tell you the story about the complaint. This is a good story. This woman comes in. Probably a Karen. And, you know, when someone walks in the skate park and they're new, they're looking around. And as someone that basically lives there, when someone's new, you can just tell by the way they're walking around. Oh, it's their first time. So I'm like, hi, you know, welcome to skate park. It's your first time here. They're like, yeah. I'm like, oh, well, you know, we got a waiver. You have to fill out the waiver. And she's like, well, I want to go look around first and make sure that this is safe for my child. And I was like, huh. Okay, whatever. I'm like, you can go up the stairs, take a peek at the skate park. And then she goes, why are there people in there that aren't wearing masks? And I said, well, that's because the mask is optional in the riding area, ma'am. And she's like, Really? I said, yes, um, we have 22,000 square feet and 35-foot ceilings and a fresh air intake furnace. Um, I think we're pretty good, pretty good situation. And then as she says that, of course, one of the scooter kids comes rolling from the park right into the shop, doesn't have his mask on yet. And she goes, well, what about him? And I was like, he just rolled into the shop. And then she turns around and there's, Someone else, maybe it's like Austin Johns or something. And she's like, well, what about him? And I said, well, ma'am, we kind of have like a common sense rule. You know, if there's people around you, we ask people to put them on. Right now, there's, you know, 15 people in the whole park. There's three people in the shop. There, there's not a lot of risk going around. And then she goes, I get it. Your Trump supporters here. And I was just blown away. Her tone. Her tone was so dehumanizing. It, it's disgusting, frankly. Now, I am not a Trump supporter. If you've been to the skate park, I had an Andrew Yang sign in the window for like at least a year. Andrew Yang's main policy was universal base income. That is a extremely left position. Now, I didn't necessarily like him because of the UBI. But I am not a Republican. Uh, I am not a Trump supporter. It is insane. T 
to assume because of one thing you see at the skate park that we're we are as if anyone that worked here or associated with the skate park is a trump supporter is insane this is the element of that of that um like this culture tension we have that i talked about on my other podcast the wrench life one this culture war where it's like yo somebody you disagree with has to be this political abstraction so if you do this then you must be x y and z and it's just insane so needless to say the woman left with her kid you could see the kid was like man i want to ride and his mom was like no all right okay whatever literally the only time that has happened period only time so then fast forward two weeks later i get a phone call and it's like i'm like breaking free skate park and he's like hi breaking free skate park this is so-and-so from the rochester fire department and immediately i'm going holy crap like what did i do like i'm like did i break a fire code are they coming to do an inspection i'm like why the hell is the fire company calling me is there a gas leak i'm like kind of freaking out and the guy the guy's hilarious he's like he's like yeah so here's the deal when someone files a covid complaint with the state the state takes those complaints and then they give them to the local fire departments and then we call you and let you know it's weird right i was like that is kind of weird and i'm thinking what what is this and he says uh okay, well, you're not in trouble. Uh, there's no fine. There's no summons. Uh, we don't even follow up with you. All we have to do is we just call you and let you know, and then we read you the complaint, and then you take that information, and within your organization and your management, you do what you what you want to do with it. I was like, oh, okay. <sighs> okay, so anyway. That's pretty much it. The woman said, actually, no, I should, I should tell you, well, I, I can could, I could only paraphrase because I don't remember exactly what it was, but the woman filed the complaint with the state, said that not a single person was wearing a mask and no one was social distancing. And given the nature of skateboarding, where people follow each other in a line, they're very close and it's very dangerous. And obviously, like that's not really how people skateboard there's no lines like you're not going in a line together like you're not training anything the woman clearly didn't know anything about skateboarding and it sounded a lot like the guy from the fire department was fairly amused by it and then that was pretty much it it's kind of funny i guess it's not funny like like obviously i don't want um there to be an issue i don't want anyone to get sick i don't want anyone to die I want to be safe you know I think I am a little more cautious than a lot of the customers that come into the park but that's their that's their right to choose and just like they can come in and you can get hurt riding at the skate park I mean you can get hurt riding anywhere you can go to the supermarket and and buy food and, and get food poisoning and there's a, a lot of risk in life and if you want to run around and think that you could mitigate all risk and live like that it's like it's not how life is you know i think the reason people are so laid back about it at the skate park is because like i said earlier they understand like life is risk management like just gotta be careful take care of yourself be healthy be smart don't put others at risk it's a weird thing to talk about because i said there's so much political tension around something like this 
I didn't even want to talk about it, but I did. <clears throat> so there it is. That was today's podcast. Um, I don't think I have any much other regular information to, to, to bring along. We've been doing a lot of ramp work at the park. I've been doing a lot of work. Thing, with all the added traffic, the deterioration of the ramps has gone really, really quickly. So there's a lot of stuff that needs to get fixed, and I'm fixing stuff every single week. You might not even notice it because a lot of the stuff is like, you know, it's just things that are flexing or like something that's broken internally, and we got to get under there and resupport it, and <clears throat> it's bad. Um, I will talk about some bigger projects I want to do, but there's an issue. And we did get that grant, and I was going to do a build, but the price of lumber is through the roof right now. Maybe we can talk a little economics next week. If I do it next week. I don't know. I haven't done one in like a year, so whatever. I think I'm going to wrap it up right there. <clears throat> Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking it out. Let me know if you have any thoughts, comments, concerns. Uh, let me know if you want a Friday Five. Let me know if you would like to come on the podcast and talk. Um, I think it would be really great to hear normal riders talk about why they ride or when they ride. and Because, you know, the 12-year-old the riding a scooter is different than a 22-year-old riding a skateboard, which is different than, the, you know, the parent that rides with his son or the parent that comes to ride to get away from his family for that little break. Like, there's a lot of different people riding for a lot of different reasons. And I think if everyone knew, you know, the motivations behind a lot of people's um, riding, I think we can get along a little bit better just having a little more context, you know. I think everyone wins in that situation. So, again, thanks for checking it out. I don't have my computer. Maybe I'll edit in the outro music in post. Maybe I won't. But either way, thanks for listening. Walk the walk, talk the talk, shred the gnar, and I will see you at the skate park later. Thank you.